recruitment professionals, we know how challenging it can be to recruit specialty positions. When working with limited budgets and on short timelines, it is crucial to be as targeted and efficient as possible. In this podcast series, AAPPR connects the specialty medical associations and physicians to learn how recruitment professionals can build a strategy. We'll hear about the trends, considerations, and tips that are the key to successful specialty recruitment. I'm Liz Mahan, Physician Recruitment Advisor at AAPPR, and today I'm joined by Sarah Lachlan. Sarah serves as the Member Service Engagement Manager for the American Urological Association. In her role, Sarah oversees the AUA's Online Career Center and events for job-seeking urologists. She also manages the organization's Residents and Fellows Committee and the Young Urologist Committee both of which work to provide trainees and early career urologists with the tools and resources related to successfully working in the specialty and career advancement. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Liz. I know all of our members are going to be really excited for this episode because urology is one of those specialties that's incredibly difficult to recruit for. So I'm hoping we could start by having you tell us a little bit about the training for urology. Sure, and you're right. Urology is a competitive specialty. Um, So the training includes four years of medical school, just like all physicians, followed by a five or six year residency in the specialty. Those residency programs in urology usually include one or two years of general surgery. Um, and then three or four years specializing in urology. Some of the programs also can include a year dedicated to research. After residency, a urologist can choose to either begin practicing or some may choose to pursue a fellowship in urologic subspecialties like oncology, pediatric urology, or female urology, just to name a few. And those fellowships usually range from one to three years. So there's quite a training period uh, that follows medical school uh, for urologists in, in the U.S. Absolutely. And I know when I first started recruiting urology, it was a learning curve for me to learn that there were really two different paths to becoming a urologist. One, as you mentioned, was to do that residency program. And then the other was to go on to do the fellowship program. And they're both, the paths are a little different. And I think what the candidates coming out of those paths look for in an opportunity can be a little bit different. So what are some of the most significant considerations for urologists when they start to think about those practice opportunities? Yeah, no, you're definitely correct. So the majority of our private practice urologists, they're really general urologists who treat a wide variety or spectrum of diseases within the urology specialty. Um, And then our fellowship trained urologists, although they can pursue private practice as well, um, generally speaking, they're usually looking to pursue a career in academia or maybe a larger organization um, with a urology uh, specialty included in it. But there are a variety of factors that a urologist would consider when evaluating a practice opportunity. There's certainly practice type, like we just talked about, hospital employed, private practice, academia, even the military. Um, and each, of course, offers advantages, disadvantages, depending on, you know, a urologist 
particular perspective or where he or she is looking to take their career. Um, you know, and then of course, just like every person who is pursuing a new job opportunity, location is a factor as well. When you think about location um, as it relates to urology, considerations are, you know, are you going to be satisfied if you pursue a position in a rural area um, where maybe you are the only urologist for miles and miles uh, to come, which is certainly uh, something that many urologists might be attracted to, right? On the flip side, a urologist may be attracted for a variety of reasons to a major metropolitan area, let's say New York, Chicago, Dallas, et cetera. Um, are you going to be okay with maybe being in an area where there is a saturation of urologists. So perhaps you can't pursue maybe the thing that interests you the most during training or that particular subspecialty is oversaturated and there's not an opportunity for you um, in those major metropolitan areas. What's going to outweigh your factors in consideration the most? And for a variety of reasons, for a variety of people, it could be, yes, I want to practice in, you know, let's just say New York City, my family's there, or or my spouse has you know, more opportunity there, et cetera. Um, and then you just kind of go from there and take the, all of those considerations you know, into play when, when looking at a different practice type. Yeah, I, you know, one thing that I learned was, particularly for somebody that subspecialized in urology, if the practice tends to be more of a generalist practice, but maybe there's a small opportunity to do some subspecialty work. It's really important, I think, to have conversations with the candidate about how much volume they'll see. Um, you know, especially if it's an area that does have more of a generalized community practice or, um, you know, the volume isn't as high as you might see in a larger academic setting or something like that. It's, you know, physicians wanna keep up their skills and, and rightfully so. That's absolutely right and we, at the AUA, especially when I'm, you know, chatting with some of the early career urologists or some of our trainees who are getting ready to transition into their first few years of practice, those are exactly the types of questions that we encourage them to be transparent and conversational about when they're going into those interviews because that first job out of, especially out of training, you know, that's gonna shape the direction of where they take their career in the future. And of course, there's always room to change direction and change as you proceed within your career. Um, but certainly those are the types of things that um, both the candidate and the organization uh, hiring should, should be transparent about during the interview process. So yeah, I think those, those questions are really important and the conversation is really important. You don't, you don't want to bring somebody into a community and practice, have them potentially uproot and relocate their entire family, only to find out a year or two down the line that you didn't ask the right questions and you know the practice isn't the right fit and then have them looking and starting a job search all over again. That's just stressful for the physician, it's stressful for the organization. So having those crucial conversations and, and asking those probative questions is, is, I think, key to success in any recruitment. Yeah, no, I so, think you're absolutely right. I think um, one thing that perhaps may be of interest of recruiters uh, when they're trying to place a urologist, on our website at auanet.org slash young urologists, 
we provide our early career urologists with a quote unquote guide to transitioning into practice. And there are a number of these topics that we talk about in that guide that we think are really important for urologists to consider and to chat through when applying for a job. And exactly like you just touched on, is the location right? We really encourage our urologists, especially when they're coming out of training, you know, don't just visit the location once. Clearly during uh, the COVID pandemic, Things are a little bit different now, right? But in a typical situation, you know, all of the things that you just mentioned, are you moving a family? Are you moving by yourself? Does the location offer what you're looking for outside of, you know, your work life? Um, so these are all things that, that really play into not only just placing a urologist or a urologist securing a position, but really satisfaction once they obtain that position and really, um, you know, longevity within that, within that particular position. Absolutely. The, the other interesting thing about urology is it, the specialty is so broad and deep. There are so many, you know, subspecialty areas and then, you know, general practice just covered such a breadth of you know, clinical um, you know, clinical skills and diagnoses and cases. Um, so what are some of the trends in urology that recruitment professionals and organizations should keep in mind when they're searching for a physician? I know as a recruiter, we don't ever want to find the perfect candidate only to discover that the equipment and the practice structure <laughs> we're providing are, you know, 25 years out of date or something crazy like that. And I know this is, this is where my favorite is going to come up, the Da Vinci robot. <laughs> sure, of course. No, you're exactly right. And some of, you know, I think more and more as trainees are completing their training, whether it be in residency or fellowship, you're going to find that more, right? They're going to have that experience during their training. And that's probably going to play into what they expect or what they want to find and continue their skills in during their practice year. So you're absolutely right. We do see that coming out of, um, uh, with our trainees coming out of practice, or excuse me, our trainees coming out of training more and more. Um, and then some other stats that are just, or metrics or trends or whatever you wanna call them, just really interesting, right? I, peel, I pulled out a few that I thought might be um, relevant to recruiters in some sort of space or way or shape or form. Um, you know, our urologists, just like the population within the US, um, it's an aging population. More than half are over the age of 55 and nearly 30% are over the age of 65. So, um, you know, something to consider when you're really thinking about that competitiveness of the specialty and placing a urologist. Um, the other, the other interesting trend is the amount of, or the number of urologists in the US who work in private practice. In 2019, which was our most recent urology census that the AUA conducts, um, it was about 53% of practicing urologists in the US who work in private practice. And that's down from 60% in 2017. Um, in 2019, 46% of practicing urologists practiced in institutional settings like hospital or academic centers, and that's up 40% from 2017. Um, the other interesting 
uh, trend that we're seeing is urologists who work in their primary practice with at least one advanced practice provider. Um, you know, and that includes PAs or nurse practitioners. Um, that significantly increased uh, from 62.7% in 2015 to 71.4% in 2019. So that's another consideration um, that urologists may be looking for as they evaluate their practice opportunities and really consider the support and the clinical team at that particular opportunity. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that so many urologists were still in private practice. That's, that is quite a trend to highlight. Well, good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a bit of a mixed bag for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also really good to know that so many are starting to um, embrace and lean into that advanced practice provider support. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, it's a, you're right. It's a huge consideration. What type of support staff are they looking for? And what is an organization prepared to offer if they don't already have, you know, a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant within the specialty? Is that, is that something that they're willing to consider adding and, and expanding the practice further? Absolutely. That's absolutely right. So as recruitment professionals, what tips or advice could you offer to us as we recruit these hard to find urologists? Sure, so I think we touched on a little bit or rather a lot of it earlier in our conversation or throughout our chat today, but organizations should really consider how competitive they are, not just you know in the geographical area, but around the country and within the specialty of urology. Are you offering what urologists today are expecting? Are you competitive with your on-call policies, with your salaries, with your support staff, with the equipment, et cetera? Um, one thing I do wanna mention is the AUA's website has years of urology census data that I think, um, you know, recruiters might find very, very helpful when looking to place some of these harder to place uh, urology position. It breaks down metrics over the years and trends and shows these sort of um, different trends that we were talking about, like average number of nights on call per week that urologists in the US um, report back, the number of clinical hours urologists work in a week or how many weeks of vacation they took in a year. Um, so all of that data can be found at auanet.org slash census report. auanet.org slash census report. Okay, so that's the website we're all going to want to add to our favorites as we recruit urologists so that we have all of that data at our fingertips. Because you're right, it's, it's important for recruiters and for organizations to know what that market looks like, aside from just hearing, you know, what your current providers are, are seeing in the market or talking to colleagues or, you know, what you're hearing from those professionals that you have coming in um, for interviews. So super helpful re resource. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, any last minute words of advice or encouragement to, to our members? <laughs> 
No, I think, you know, we always feel at the AUA that our online career center is the place for uh, both urologists who are seeking a new opportunity to go to, as well as recruiters who are looking to place a urologist to get in front of our members. Um, auanet.org slash job finder is our online career board. We are very competitive. I found across some of those different career boards that you find um, in the industry. And I think, you know, urology is a competitive specialty to place, um, but it's an exciting field to work in. Um, and I think the environment is just going to sort of be more exciting as, as we get into 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your time and your insights and, and for sharing those resources with us. I think they'll be incredibly helpful for recruitment professionals as they go forward and to source and, and place urologists. And well, thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. And thank all of you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode in our specialty recruitment library. And of course, thank you to our association partners for taking the time to speak with us. Remember to check back as we add new episodes and specialties. And for more tools and resources, be sure to check out the AAPPR resource library at aappr.org slash resource hyphen library.